Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The volume. The Three and Out Podcast with me, John Middlecoff, is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. America's number one sportsbook. Very easy to use, safe and secure. You get your winnings fast. I cannot recommend it enough. Love gambling with FanDuel. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code Colin so they know we sent you. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, three and out podcast, Monday Night Football. Dub Bears absolutely destroy the Pats. Mac Jones bench. Justin Fields runs around, makes plays. We will dive into that. Some uh, breaking news. We had another quarterback at bench today. The Jets get destroyed injury-wise. Tampa Bay, dive into that situation. My man Brandon Staley takes another L. And uh, some more football stuff as well as the Middlecoff mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire into those direct messages. Get your question answered here on the show. As well, if you, uh, follow the volume on YouTube. Go subscribe to the uh, YouTube channel. All my content's up there as well, along with Colin, Richard Sherman, our man Draymond. Uh, it, it's all up there. Uh, something for everybody. And if you listen through Colin's feed, make sure you subscribe to the 3 and Out podcast. Greatly appreciate everyone out there on the streets. But first, my friends at TurtleBox, baby. TurtleBox is the loudest, most portable, and truly waterproof Bluetooth speaker on the market. It fe- I mean, look at this thing. If, if you're watching this on video, this thing is the best. It's big. It's loud. Great battery. Ultra long battery life. Uh, and here's the thing. My friends at TurtleBox are now offering pro and collegiate team color combinations. You're a Patriot fan. You're a Bears fan. You want to get color combinations. So when you're barbecuing with your buddies, when you're hanging out, now it's getting a little chillier depending on where you live. You're inside, watch some games. You want to have some beats on in the background. Cannot recommend this enough. Use the promo code John. that's J-O-H-N, Get $20 off your first order, as well as free shipping. This thing is awesome. I've been using it now for months. Again, go to TurtleBoxAudio.com. Enter the promo code JOHN for $20 off your first order and free shipping. That's TurtleBoxAudio.com. Promo code JOHN for the best outdoor speaker out there. Okay, little Monday Night Football recap. We had Blowout City. The Patriots got destroyed by the Chicago Bears, 33-14. And let's start with New England. And I I guess it would have been on Friday's podcast, I gave somewhat of an apology, and or or sometime last week, and and I realized, like, betting against Belichick, you better be careful, right? No matter how talented his team is, he is such a good coach that he's never going to win four or five games. And I thought there was a chance at the start of the season they were a 5-12 season. Or five and five and twelve team, and they were going to have that type of season. I was wrong. They are not a five and twelve team. That much is clear. <clears throat> now, here's the thing, though, and this has been a knock on the Patriots over the years of their drafting. Right, they're top to bottom talent. They're difference making players. They're Pro Bowl level guys. And the last two weeks, they feasted on two guys who are bottom five starting quarterbacks in the NFL: Jared Goff. And Jacoby Brissett. And here's the other thing. 
Jacoby Brissett and Jared Goff cannot move. So guys like that who turn the ball over a lot and are zero threat to run around, pretty easy for the greatest defensive coach ever to game plan against. And he eviscerated both guys. Well, tonight, Justin Fields, who is, I would say, pound for pound, one of the better athletes in the league, is a tough guy to game plan against. Now, he's a hit-or-miss player as a passer still. You saw there was a ball tonight where Troy's like, put a little air under it. He's still got a long way to go, even though we'll get into his supporting cast. He, it's, it's just one of those guys that, and this is what we talked about in the quarterback drafting segment earlier this week, like when you draft guys really high, I like you to have different pitches. I like you to have high ceilings. And if that guy ever figures it out, his ceiling as a runner is clearly elite because he's one of the fastest quarterbacks we've ever seen. And I think you saw a fundamental flaw in the Patriots team. I don't know how talented they are. Now, they're well-coached. They're tough. They tackle well. But it's not like he has the fastest players on defense. Ray Lewis, Luke Keekley ain't walking through that door. You know, Ed Reed ain't flying around. And Justin Fields made them look kind of stupid today. And as the game went on, it's not like Belichick doesn't adjust. He's the greatest halftime adjuster we've ever seen. There was nothing they could do. Because Fields, pure talent, running around that speed, they had no they had no counter for it. I mean, they, they just don't. There's nothing Bill can do because he just lacks the talent on that side and just really on his entire team. It's a solid team, but when they win eight or nine games at the end of the season, they will have vastly overachieved. It's why I gave Bill an apology. Because great coaches get their teams to overachieve. Bill used to do that with his great teams winning 12, 13 games. Remember, we'd be like, God, who's Tom throwing to? Julian Edelman, Gronk's banged up. Who are these running backs? Well, now he's doing it with a bunch of guys we don't really know. And it, it's been impressive against crappy quarterbacks, and he's excelled, but he ran into a guy. I, I'm not calling Justin Fields a good quarterback yet, but we can't argue about his speed is elite. And he ran around, and there was nothing the Patriots could do, and he let him on drive after drive after drive, and they couldn't do anything about it. And let's talk about the Patriots quarterback situation. Uh, Listen, I'm not a Mac Jones guy. I'm not into quarterbacks like that in the first round. I There was a draft where Christian Ponder and Jake Locker were drafted really high. So I wouldn't say Mac Jones is the most overdrafted quarterback of all time. But when you look at the crew of guys that he gets compared to, Kirk Cousins, like if he ever turned into a good player, Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo, those type players, none of those guys sniffed being a first-round quarterback, let alone the 15th overall pick in the draft. And as you saw when Zappi came in, now Zappi threw a terrible pick at the end of the game. Just like Cooper Rush and Dak, I'm not acting like Zappi is just immediately going to be a better player. He may or may not be. Who knows? The more you play, the harder it becomes. But I don't think Mac Jones, I don't even think he's a top, I don't think he's a starting quarterback. I look at Mac Jones like a backup quarterback, especially when he thinks he turns into Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and tries to ad-lib on the fly. It's like, Mac, that is not your game. And the reason Bill Belichick went to Bailey Zappi immediately, and you saw on the sideline, Mac goes, I'm out. It's because I can't have you, if I'm Bill, running around like you're Josh Allen because you're going to throw picks. You are going to do stupid shit because you don't have the physical attributes. And here's the other thing. You do not need to be, you know, Bill Polian to see the physical attributes in Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones. There is no difference. They physically move about the same. Their arms, you know, their arm strength is, is basically identical. You could argue Bailey Zappi even has a stronger arm. And where was Bailey Zappi drafted? In the first round? Hell no. He was a fourth-round pick. So I understand Belichick, who's not always consumed with the value in the draft. No one historically has cared less about where he drafted a player, when he liked a player. And sometimes it's worked out, and sometimes it's been tragic mistakes uh, in, in terms of how good the player was for where he was drafted. But you can't tell me when you watch Mac Jones play and you watch Bailey Zappi play, I mean, they literally look just like each other. You see difference in talent. There isn't any. Mac Jones just isn't that talented. And the thing that he hung his hat on coming into the NFL was like, ultimate game manager, ready to go. 
and I, I said this when I talked about the draft, there is no such thing as just an unlimited high floor, like a can't-bust quarterback. Uh, uh, just this guy for sure is a 10-year starter. If that was the case, teams would never miss. That is not the way football works. And you immediately see, I'm not saying Bill is turning on Mac Jones, but I think he realizes, Mac, I drafted you to be a game manager, bro. You have to understand when Tom Brady started back in the day in 2001, 2002, 2003, before Tom Brady became, I don't know, an MVP level player, he just managed the game. Now, part of it, unlike Mac and even Bailey Zappi, Tom couldn't run around, but Tom just did what he was told to do. That's what Bill wants his quarterback to do. When I tell you to throw it to the left side on this play, I don't want you to scramble around and throw it to the right side. I don't want you to do a 360 in the pocket, scramble right, and tell the guy to go deep. That's not the way we're playing. That's not the way we're built, and that's not the way you're built. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, they get to do that. You do not, because you're just simply not good enough to do that, and when you try, it's going to be a disaster 99% of the time. You saw it with Bailey Zappi. He tried to make some plays late in the game. Now, they were down big, and what happened? It didn't turn out well. When you don't have the physical attributes and you try to make the plays that the elite guys make, it usually does not turn out well in the NFL because you are at a disadvantage when you play outside the scheme of the offense. And to me, that's what Mac Jones was doing tonight. He's like trying to prove, you know, he, I know he got the Pro Bowl nod and I, I refuse to go through it. I do think there's a chance. Now, granted, a lot of people go to Pro Bowls because other people drop out. He's the worst Pro Bowl quarterback in the history of the Pro Bowl. Uh, and I'm not trying to take shots at Mac. Like, Mac is an NFL player. I just view him more as a backup than, uh, than I think what people kind of got in their mind he was going to be last year. And I'm just glad that Bailey Zappi has come in and you just realize, like, there is just no difference in these two players. On the flip side, this guy's a long way to go. And I'm biased. I liked him a lot coming out of college. Uh, but, and listen, there are some major flaws. As a passer, there are just some fundamental things that sometimes he doesn't see some stuff. Sometimes you go like, is this just a running back playing quarterback? And then there are times when he makes a throw, it's like, hell yeah, that's what I want. Hell yeah, that's the Justin Fields that I thought was going to be a top 10 draft pick. And you saw tonight, one, his running is elite. Now, I don't draft a quarterback to be a runner, right? This isn't the Navy offense. But in, in let's say, modern football, mobility is a big deal. And I like quarterbacks, mobile quarterbacks. And this is what I will say about Lamar. Kyler, too, that have a pretty good understanding as a runner not to take big hits. Like, I saw it firsthand with Trey Lance. Trey Lance doesn't have a good feel for running around, avoiding hits. And I'm not even talking about the play that he broke his ankle. He just wasn't comfortable in space. Justin Fields is a blue-chip five-star guy who went to Georgia and then he went to Ohio State. So he's been practicing against the best of the best. He has a good understanding when he's running around, how to get out of bounds, how to slide, just how to get on the ground. So to me, that's a big positive. And then from an arm strike standpoint, it's pretty special. Now there's a touch. There's some stuff that he still has a long way to go. But let's let's remove uh, Mooney who, you know, is a pretty good player. And let's look at his other two targets, guys that he throws to all the time. Dante Pettis, who the 49ers once drafted, I think high in the second round. Royal bust. They they cut. And he bounced around. He's actually been making some plays for him. Nikhil Harry made a play tonight. Well, where did Nikhil Harry come from? The first round. Bill Belichick got rid of him. Like, those are his, that's his, like, uh, Debo Samuel and DK Metcalf. Dante Pettis and Nikhil Harry. Now, I understand that the Bears historically have struggled to put together good offensive weaponry, that they have a pretty good feel for figuring out how to find defensive players. You know, sign Julius Peppers, draft Brian Urlacher, Peanut Tillman, Michael Singletary. They can figure out that side of the ball. They have to, to give this guy a chance. I, If you said, bet your life, is he going to become some Pro Bowl player? I wouldn't do that. But if you told me that they invest heavily this offseason to getting him help, you know, Komet's not bad. He's probably a really good number two. Get him a star tight end. Get him a couple, you know, more impactful wideouts. Get him some offensive line help. Maybe he'll have a chance because you can't watch that. If you just watch Zappy and Mac Jones and you watch Justin Fields and you went, if you were a GM and you were a head coach, 
listen, I all I've known, heard about Fields, good guy, hard worker, smart, really likes football. This guy's not playing Call of Duty all night like some quarterbacks. Now, that, that's a shot at Kyler, and in fairness to Kyler, he's a much better player than Justin Fields. He's a much more natural quarterback. But Justin, if he puts in the effort and they do surround him with, with talent, at, at least he's got a shot. Because you can't watch that and go, yeah, I, I'd want to work with that. Like, that's what you want to work with. Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi, as a scout texts me tonight, are we sure the Patriots even have a quarterback? Now, I'm not sure the Bears do either. But at least they got, you know, some clay to attempt to mold. Isn't that the job of these coaches? These offensive coordinators in the league are all making seven figs. These head coaches are making seven, eight, nine million dollars. Those are the first time head coaches. Then obviously the top head coaches are making 12 to 18. Like this is coach these guys up. Isn't that your job? Or are you just going to sit inside the film room and just click, 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 click all day in, in the dark and, and eat Cheetos and sunflower seeds? Or are we going to work with this guy? I'd, I'd want to work with Justin Fields because what did we talk about after the Thursday night game against the Commanders? He has toughness, which is a must quality if you want to be a good quarterback. We know that Fields is tough. So he has that right away. No one questions that. Needs to work on some touch passing, but as you've seen with Josh Allen, and I'm not comparing him to Josh Allen, my point is it is an improvable skill. What do the Bills do? They went out and they got him a lot of help. Now we'll see... It's weird because Ryan Poles and the guys with the Bears were not the group that drafted him. So anytime that, hap- anytime that happens, you-, you just never know. And from just you know seeing headlines and stuff, I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't feel great that they're all in on the guy. I know they've said some positive things, but I- I'd still be a little leery from what I've heard in the grapevine. But I mean, what the hell else are their options? I mean, to me, I would double down on this guy for next year and just see what happens because. Fields is showing signs of life here for a team that, let's face it, like the Patriots, does not have that much talent. Football season is underway, so now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up using the promo code COLIN. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from money line to point spreads to player props. You can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. The app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Get paid your winnings fast. So sign up today with promo code COLIN for your no-sweat first bet. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 and over and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bet $5. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 533-42-ARIZONA, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat, Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG, Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP, Louisiana or 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369, New York, Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-888-9789, Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700, Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. 
They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, let's start with breaking news around the National Football League. And I, I think we have to go to Indianapolis first. Where it became official. Frank Reich's job is holding on by a shoestring. Uh, I, I don't think Frank is a lock at this moment to make it through the season. To me, the only question right now, is Chris Ballard going to go down with him? Or is Chris Ballard going to be allowed and going to be in the same boat as the owner and hire the next coach? I don't know. Uh, I, I did some reaching out, sniffing around the league. I think a lot of people think he's in trouble. And Frank's done. I mean, if they don't make the playoffs this year, Frank Reich is going to get fired. So the only question now does Ballard, who I think is a pretty good GM, but, you know, he is in charge of the coach. He went to bat last year for Frank and the quarterback. His quarterbacks the last two years are Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan. And two, three years ago, <clears throat> in 2020, they signed Phillip Rivers for $25 million. He got them to 11 wins or helped them. I mean, their defense was good. And, you know, they were had an opportunity to win a playoff game. Like, to me, that's a successful year when you're the Indianapolis Colts w- without Peyton Manning. Like, that's... I If you do that every year, like, you're going to keep your job for a while. The next two years have been a disaster. Trading a what turned out to be a first-round pick for Carson Wentz, that's a kick in the nuts. I mean, it, it really is. There's no way around it. Now, they were able to trade him because the Washington Commanders are super desperate for multiple threes. So it wasn't the end of the world. It's not like they had to cut him. But you had to give up your first-round pick when you missed the playoffs to the Philadelphia Eagles, which, because of their picks, they were able to utilize a trade that they have another first-round pick coming next year because of your pick. And then last but not least, this season. And the reason they had Matt Ryan is because when they traded for Car- or traded Carson Wentz to Washington, they didn't even have a quarterback. People kept going, what are they going to do? They don't have a first-round pick. There weren't really quarterbacks available. Like, are you kind of screwed? Now, the Deshaun Watson situation played out a little bit later. Matt Ryan became available, and they traded for him. But Matt Ryan's a good guy. He had a hell of a career. But he hasn't been good now for several years. He's washed. He's done. And one thing I don't know if I did a good enough job of on Monday's podcast, when I was talking about drafting guys in the first round, especially high in the first round, when I talk about physical characteristics and athletic attributes and just the ultimate physical package that I'm looking for in a high ceiling guy, it's being able to make plays outside the context of the play, right? If a play is called and your second read is wide open, most quarterbacks, most starting quarterbacks can make it. If it's one, two, look at, you know, the first wide receiver, he's not open, go to the second, the guy's open, you hit it. To me, I'm talking about outside the play call, when your right tackle gets smoked, when both wide receivers slip, can you create a play with your legs, with your physical attributes? And Matt Ryan's never really been able to do that, but he 100% cannot do that right now. It's the downfall of Kirk Cousins, right? When when everything's humming and it's in rhythm and the offense, the time is the timing's on, he can fucking light you up like a Christmas tree. When you're getting a pass rush and he has to keep plays alive with his legs, it's game over. And obviously Brady and Manning and those guys never were able to do that. But it didn't matter. They were so good and so dominant, they still kicked your ass. Most guys cannot. So I don't like non-athletic quarterbacks with average arms. Because it's hard for them to... They don't age very well, especially. And Matt Ryan is aging very poorly. He has nine interceptions this year. And I, I flipped on that game. He threw two terrible picks. And their offensive line, they're, they're soft. I mean, the reason Frank's going to get fired is it feels like they're getting worse. You know, they they a couple years ago, <clears throat> pretty good team. Where they are right now doesn't resemble the team that I remember watching in 19 and 20. They, they, they look like a shell of themselves. And I think Frank is definitely in trouble. The only question is Ballard going to survive. Now, is Sam Ellinger, I'm, I'm not some huge believer. I mean, I think he's known for, we're back. When Texas beat a, I forget even who they beat in the bowl game. Was it Oregon? I, I don't even know. Uh, but they won a bowl game. He said that. 
made him kind of famous. Uh, you, you're kind of famous like the a Dallas Cowboy quarterback when you're the starting quarterback and you're you're decent for the University of Texas, but he wasn't very good like, to me as a pro prospect. And I don't think you know he's the type of guy that's going to get lightning in a bottle and save these guys' jobs. I think they're in major trouble. And they're playing Heineke in Washington this week. Heineke, shit, might be better than Carson Wentz. So the uh, the news is not shocking. Wouldn't shock me at all if Jim Irsay was the one that mandated this. Uh, and, the, and the head coach is just, I mean, he might not make it to Thanksgiving at this rate. And then the other news is the New York Jets, who have really done a good job against backup quarterbacks, but they have a philosophy in how they've been winning. They've played really good defense. They have a good defensive line. <clears throat> Quinn and Williams' brother, uh, number 56, uh, Quincy Williams is awesome. Sauce Gardner has been a stud. Their, their defense has been fantastic. Now, they have been beating backup quarterbacks, but they've been kicking their ass. And they've ran the football. And a big reason they've run the football, especially the last couple of weeks, is I was told in training camp from someone in the know who was going to all these practices, Brees Hall's our best player. And clearly, Elijah Barrett Tucker, a dude they drafted a couple years ago from USC, it's pretty crazy how many good players Clay Helton has put in the NFL. I mean, a huge reason everyone was always so down on Clay Helton, not because he was losing a lot, because he was losing a lot with sweet players. I mean, the majority of teams in the NFL have a Clay Helton player on their team, and he's not like some random guy. He's usually a pretty good player, but that's beside the point. Uh, Robert Sala announced today, Brees is out with a torn ACL, and Tucker has an elbow injury that's going to you know, cost him this season. That's a devastating blow for a team that's 5-2. and two. Now, could they get to 10 wins? Like, next week they play the Patriots. It was going to get harder. But because it's it's difficult to maintain winning when your quarterback is consistently throwing for about 100 yards. Uh, I, I think the number was last week against Denver, which is understandable. Denver's defense is excellent. I think he threw for 120 yards. But they won 16-9. Um, I, I, I do wonder if those days are over. Because a huge part of their success is this, this running back's a stud. And Tucker's a baller. So th- those, Matt Ryan getting benched, not shocking. Those are two major injuries to a team that, you know, I, I think had a chance to get to the nine-ish. If Zach kind of could get a little bit better as the season went on, who knows, maybe get to 10. But I, I think those days are over. Uh, Tampa Bay. Obviously, they are one of the, probably them in Green Bay, right, at three and four. When you have Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, um, is a pretty... I mean, it's just eye-opening, right? If you're a Buck fan, this is like, what the hell is going on? And, and two things jump out to me. We'll start with Tom. Uh, I heard Michael Lombardi say this, and I listen, I, I don't disagree, that Tom's excelled in his career with slot receivers, running backs who can catch the football, and tight ends. And right now, they're built in Tampa with outside wide receivers and Leonard Fournette. And Gronk's no longer there, and it's not the same. To me, Tom Brady, and I think we all can relate to this, when you got one foot in and one foot out, it's hard to excel at anything that takes a lot of energy. Anyone who's ever had a job that they didn't want to be there anymore or had already put their sights on their next job, their next endeavor, you don't give your same effort. And depending on what that job is, if your foot is already half in, half out, you're probably not going to have much success. It happens a lot in relationships, right? When you're breaking up with someone, you're getting a divorce, and you're just kind of over it. You you no longer care as much, right? When you're in love with someone, when you're in a serious relationship, and you're all in, you, you know you you do whatever it takes. And Tom's always been a do whatever it takes guy when it comes to football. Why? Because he dedicated his life to the sport. So he unretires, retires, or he retires, unretires, goes on vacation during training camp. And I understand, I've heard people say, like, do you think Tom Brady going to Robert Kraft's wedding really impacted the Pittsburgh game? Well, probably not. And of course, he's Tom Brady. If he wants to go, it's understandable. But that ain't fucking Tom Brady. Tom Brady never, ever did that stuff. That's like what NBA players do. They're really like, hey, I'm just going to take the week off. I'll see you in a couple weeks. You're like, oh, yeah, no big deal. We're tanking anyway. You know, Tom Brady just missing stuff left and right during the football season. It's bizarre. I don't even totally blame him. He's 45, 
our priorities change, we lose our focus, but he was the guy that asked for Bruce Arians to get fired. Like, that's clear. He wanted Bruce Arians out. So they elevate Todd Bowles, who, listen, my second year with the Eagles, we hired Todd Bowles. I used to have lunch with him all the time with other scouts. He was cool. I like Todd Bowles. And it's not even debatable that when Todd Bowles is the defensive coordinator, he's an ass kicker. Hell, I would say the same thing for Dennis Allen of the Saints. When Dennis Allen gets to be the head, or excuse me, the defensive coordinator and just handle half the room, because the way a football operation works, when we have a team meeting on, let's say, you know, we have game plan Monday, Tuesday, first practice on Wednesday, first team meetings at eight o'clock. So breakfast seven to eight. We meet as a stat or we meet as a team at eight o'clock. The head coach talks to the entire team. And then after five minutes, 10 minutes, I think Belichick goes for an hour, whatever. You go split up O and D. So the O goes the offensive coordinator, the defense goes the defensive coordinator. So you only have half the team. That's all you have to worry about. When a guy gets a DUI, when a dude on the other side of the ball's wife is pregnant and loses the baby, when a dude's brother gets sick, when a dude just has mental you know, issues and is going through problems, and he's not on your side of the ball, you don't even have to fucking think about it. But when you're the head coach, whether you're an offensive head coach or a defensive head coach, you have to deal with it. Why? You're the head honcho. And I think we're seeing it with Todd Bowles. Like, let's face it. Bruce Arians, I think, gets knocked uh, by NFL people for not being the hardest worker. And when I say that, it's all relative. Like Andy Reid and Bill Belichick are putting in 20 hours a day. You know, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay. These guys work crazy long hours. And Bruce always kind of known for like, yeah, show up after breakfast and, you know, head home at dinner, which, listen, I, I get it. But here's one thing I know about Bruce Arians. He did not become a head coach till late in life. I think he was like 60 or 61, right, with the Arizona Cardinals. And when he became a head coach for the Arizona Cardinals and then he went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, all he did was win. All he did was win. Now, you could argue when Tom got there, they butted head on the offense, whatever. He, a little like Sean Payton, these guys are kind of crazy motherfuckers, and they were not afraid of confrontation. And when you're going to get in confrontation in the NFL, it's much easier to get your point across when you have pelts on the wall and you have equity. Like if Dennis Allen is yelling at me, why am I going to take him seriously if I'm a New Orleans Saints player, if I'm a veteran guy, just because he's the head coach? Well, if Sean Payton yelled at me, I knew he was one of the best head coaches in the league. He had been to a Super Bowl. He had been to play one playoff games. He had pelts on the wall, and I just knew he knew what he was doing. Like the thing with Todd Bowles, he's a very even keel guy, and I I just don't really see it. Same thing with Dennis Allen. Now their person Dennis is probably more of a dick. I'm not saying Todd can't be as a head coach, but their personalities are clearly different. I've said over and over, and I don't fault these guys. Uh, when they get offered the head coaching job, what are they supposed to do? Turn down $25, $30 million? But the best part about the NFL, in a lot of jobs, like you want to keep moving up because there's a big difference between ninety grand and two hundred and ten grand, right? But when you're making two, two and a half million dollars, three million dollars, sometimes four million dollars as the number one coordinator in the league, that's a pretty incredible job. They don't blame you for everything. Right, You don't have all the anxiety and the pressure the head coach does. When you become the head coach, your clock immediately starts. And I think both guys are in major, major trouble. Because at the end of the day, neither guy's a head coach. So Tom got what he wanted. He wanted Arians out of there. The problem is Tom's not even all in. And now he has a head coach that probably not a head coach. Just like Dennis Allen. Those guys are fantastic defensive coordinators. The Saints defense the last couple years was awesome. Tampa's defense the last couple of years, I thought was like, you know, on given weeks, the best in the league. And now they're just getting shredded. I mean, I was watching Tampa just get shredded by Steve Wilkes, who I was thinking about this today because the media is really going to push for Steve Wilkes to get a job. I would say in the last decade, Steve Wilkes would be right up there as the worst head coach I've ever seen. You know, Tom Sula, Freddie Kitchens, like he's in that crew. He just kicked your ass. That guy. And his quarterback was P.J. Walker. So, you know, this. listen, this is what Tom wanted. Um, and they are in major trouble. Let's get to my man, Brandon Staley. Uh, flipped on a little Chargers Seattle. God, Pete Carroll, man. 
Kenneth Walker. I was watching that game, the running back Seattle drafted in the second round. I started thinking because Mel Tucker, Michigan State's, I think, three and four this year. They are not having a good season. Got a $95 million extension this offseason. And part of it was because LSU wanted him. But I was like, you know, when you win 10 games every season, I get it. LSU's going to want you. Michigan State doesn't want to lose you. You resurrected Colorado. And then I looked at his record, and I'm like, if you remove last year where he went 11-2, and two, the one year he had Kenneth Walker, he is 10-16 and 16 as a head coach. I hope Kenneth Walker got, like, some points on that $95 million deal because he deserves, at minimum, 30%. But watching Brandon Staley, who... And really quick, I will defend him on this. I've told this story, or I've just... I've talked about this before. That where I went to school was basically in the middle of California. Cal Poly. And we were basically 50% people from Southern California, 50% people from Northern California. And then a lot of farmers' kids from the Valley. And I ended up meeting a lot of people that grew up in the San Diego area. And they... I, they didn't like, they loved the Chargers. They loved the Chargers. And if you watch baseball at all, the Padres' home field you know, atmosphere was fantastic. Dean Spanos, who inherited the team from a, from a father who was a real estate mogul in California, up and down from Bakersfield up to Sacramento and probably owns property all over the place, uh, is just very cheap, bad businessmen, and, and refuse to do a deal there. And listen, I get it. I'm not pro these local politicians in California. I also think they're embarrassing. But sometimes you just got to whip it around. I saw Joe Lacob, who doesn't respect any of the politicians in the Bay Area, build his own stadium. Why? Because he's a closer. He gets deals done. And the Chargers, who play now, obviously at the Ram Stadium, it's just a pretty big joke. I know their value as a franchise has increased. But, like, it's just so irrelevant. They have no fans. Nobody gives a shit. And when they play these home games, literally no one cares. And it sounds like an away team's home game. And I I can't put that on the head coach or the players. That is on the ownership. Obviously, that's not going to change. They are never going to be a big deal there. They are completely irrelevant. And it's always going to be an away uh, stadium's home crowd. When they play the Chiefs, when they play the Raiders, when they play the Broncos, if they play the Niners, if they play any of these, Seattle, they're, they're going to have more fans of the other team every stinking time. And I'm not saying that fans wouldn't travel to San Diego because, you know, it's one of the best cities in America, but it's it's not the same. And, and I feel for all the Charger fans out there because th- this team has absolutely no business, and I mean none, being in Los Angeles. But Brandon Staley as a coach, a little bit like those previous guys. Now, the difference is Todd Bowles and Dennis Allen, I saw those guys be head coaches and then both be overwhelmed. So I had a baseline knowing, like, I don't know if this is a great idea. Difference with Brandon Staley, he, shit, he's only been in the league like six years. And he became a head coach at a meteoric rise. But he's known as like this dominant defensive coordinator, mainly because of one fucking season with the Rams. And their defense was really good, right? 2020, they had one of the best defenses in the league. Depending on what statistics you look at, some had them the number one defense in the league. It was like, oh, this guy's a genius. One time. One time. And he gets a job, and the defense, specifically the run defense the last two years, has been putrid. And they're playing Kenneth Walker this week, who, like I said, Mel Tucker should give that guy about $25, $30 million of his deal because without him... I don't think he's getting that much cash because you look at his resume, he hasn't had that much success. Brendan Staley is the defensive coordinator and they can't tackle a soul. And it's not like Kenneth Walker was a nobody. He was a high second round pick. And then last week, he ran for 100 yards against the Cardinals. So literally the tape, the first tape you would throw on is their last game. He was excellent. And here's the other thing about Seattle. While their offense has had some big moments this year, They were just coming off a game against the Cardinals where they scored 19 points. And then they come and play you, and they score 37? And Kenneth Walker goes for like, I think a buck 70? I I just do not get how your run defense, you add Khalil Mack, who is one of the best run defensive ends I've ever seen. You sign a big defensive tackle from the Rams, you have Derwin James, you can't tackle a soul. 
And I'm sorry, like I'm putting that on the head coach who is the defensive coordinator. And it gets worse week after week after week. I don't know how this is going to change. You go, well, what about the quarterback? I watch Justin Herbert and I go, I think he's playing pretty good. I, I The eye test, I think he looks fantastic. And then I went to the stats. Only four quarterbacks have thrown more touchdowns this year. You go, well, is he being accurate? Yeah, he's 66%. He's only thrown four interceptions. Like I think he's having a pretty good season. So you, you have a top five, six quarterback in the NFL. You have nothing to do with the offense because you're the head coach slash defensive coordinator. And your defense keeps getting smoked. So I'm not going to beat a dead horse. Like Steve Sarkeesian doesn't win. Brandon Staley's defense consistently sucks. Like these are facts. These aren't opinions. I, I give you my opinions on like why I think they suck. They're not head coaches. But the facts remain. And I just feel like I have to point it out because no one ever will. Because the media has their biases and they have their friends. Like, I'm not friends with any of these guys. And I think it helps. I'm friends with some, but not these two specifically. Because, one, they probably wouldn't like me. And two, like, I'm sorry. I'd be like, I should be a number two. Because that's what you are, a number two. And there's nothing wrong in the NFL with being a number two. It pays for Brandon Staley. If he became a defensive coordinator for some team tomorrow, he'd get two and a half million dollars. And shit, we know Dean doesn't pay, so he's probably only making five. So you wouldn't have to make that big of a pay cut. And if you went to a different state, state income tax, you save a lot of money. So, yeah, they're just Justin Herbert getting just wasted game after game. There was a reason once upon a time, Eli and Arch said, we ain't going there. Do not draft us, Spanos family. We ain't playing for your team. Smartest thing they ever did. And then just, you got to give these two teams props. You, you really do. The Cowboys and the Giants. On my other podcast, we were uh, talking about Drake Jackson, another Clay Helton guy who looks fantastic. Uh, and we were going over all the top pass rushers from this last draft. Obviously, a lot of guys got drafted high. You know, uh, Kenneth Walker. Not Kenneth Walker, but uh, Trayvon Walker. Tra- Tavon Walker, the, the Jags guy. Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau. And then Sam Williams. Obviously, there were some other guys. You know, the Chiefs took the dude from Purdue, but Sam Williams, who I didn't know that much about. And I was watching the Cowboy game just kick the Lions. I mean, the Lions suck. I, I I pounded the table for the Lions and the Texans this year being feisty. And, and the Texans have been feisty. They're just not winning. The Lions haven't really been that feisty. They, they are starting to get smoked. They're terrible. And Sam Williams was kicking their ass. And I, I text couple you know scouting buddies and i said how in the world did sam williams fall and they're like well uh domestic battery (laughs) when uh he was at junior college with potentially several women the character was a major red flag and i said holy shit jerry jones does dgaf as the kids would say over text and he truly dgaf to me jerry jones is kind of the modern day al davis he's gonna do whatever he wants whenever he wants he gets rid of randy gregory he Signs or he drafts another one really high. Now, Sam Williams can play. And this is the thing in the draft. Like, Sam Williams dropped to late in the second round, not because he couldn't play. Every guy said, yeah, he was sweet. He was a badass. He's like, we couldn't take. We didn't have him on the board. Jerry didn't just have him on the board. He drafted him, and now he's using him. The Cowboys defense, like, remember last year, Randy Gregory was pretty good. Sam Williams is a better player. Like, I'm watching him, and obviously Micah Parsons, who's probably going to be the defensive player of the year. Th- those guys are just dominating. Like, offensively, I love how Cowboy fans are like, oh, we're all the people that wanted Cooper Rush. Like, guys, y- y- why does everyone act like Dak Prescott is the John Elway meets Dan Marino reincarnated? Like, he's fine. He's like the 13th best quarterback in the NFL who makes $40 million. <laughs> Kudos to him. And he's got seven commercials because of the team he plays for. If I was Jerry, I would have been like, hey, listen, Dak, we'll pay you 28, but you get about eight extra commercials because you play for my team. If I put you on the Jags or the Vikings, not a soul would care. I don't see Cousins on any commercials. And uh, and you could argue he's a better player. But their defense is really good. They, they are very, very physical. And they are winning games. And now they're 5-2. and two, Not because of the offense. Strictly because of their defense. And they did it again against the Lions. And the Giants, man. Daniel Jones. And sometimes you look back and you go, Joe Judge... Actually, there have been several, right? Started with Tom Sula. I think Freddie Kitchens was right there. Ironically, Joe Judge hired Freddie Kitchens on his staff, and then when he fired Jason Garrett, 
made Freddie Kitchens' offensive coordinator. They're Mississippi State buddies. But, I mean, he would be in the running of being one of the most underqualified uh, head coaches to ever, you know, in the in NFL history. I like, had no business. So, you look back and you go, Daniel Jones, once upon a time, and I'm not saying Daniel Jones will ever, will ever become Alex Smith, but Alex Smith played for Mike Nolan and Mike Singletary. Two guys you wouldn't let within 100 feet of your building right now. Mike, Mike Singletary got fired from a high school team like two years ago. Mike Nolan, we saw him be a defensive coordinator for McCarthy a couple years ago. How'd that go? So sometimes head coaches can derail guys' career. Now, you can tell when you watch Daniel Jones, like he's not going to be the next Mahomes or Josh Allen, but he's definitely a really good athlete, and he's, uh, he throws a decent ball. And he was a turnover machine. Picks, fumbles, he just doesn't turn the ball over. And Saquon Barkley, who basically is the lock comeback player of the year, looks, you know, I I don't even know. Like, he got a little Barry Sanders with a little top-end speed of, like, uh, Jamal Charles. He's he's a baller. I mean, he's the best player on their team. And they're 6-1. and one. <laughs> Sneaky, enormous game this week. Giants at Seattle. If you would have told me, what are the chances week eight you watch one minute because, you know, I don't care about the Giants. In Seattle, I mean, I, I definitely keep a close eye on Seattle, but I thought that they were going to be terrible. I thought those these two teams were going to draft number one overall. And Seattle's technically in first place right now of the NFC West. And the Giants, you know, are... Let's see, if you're the Eagles right now, your start could not have gone any better. You're undefeated. And you look back and you go, Giants are right on our heels and the, and the Cowboys aren't going away. That division has really been good. And, and those two teams... The Giants led by coaching. Think about Brian Dayball. He needed an offensive coordinator. Who'd he hire? He didn't hire one of his buddies. He, he didn't hire you know one assistant from the Bills. He hired Mike Kafka, who was drafted by Andy Reid, who coached with Andy Reid. He went out of his little sphere. He didn't need, you know, Belichick loves keeping it under the umbrella. And I'm not saying these guys didn't know each other, but he went like, I'm going to go hire a guy on a different staff. He did the same thing with his defensive coordinator. Wink Martindale, boom, I'll take, you, know, you don't want him Harbaugh? I'll take him. And all I was told, someone with Baltimore during the uh, preseason was like, I think our defense is going to be awesome. I agreed. I'm like, yeah, this Mike McDonald guy comes from Harbaugh. He had been with John Harbaugh before, went to be Jim's defensive coordinator, comes back, ton of talent. They just, when you watch the Ravens play, and I watched a decent amount of that game, they feel like the Chargers. They feel like the East Coast version of the Chargers who are a little more successful in their owner's a much higher level guy that basically every single game is a one possession game with like six minutes left. And there's Lamar scrambling around, <laughs> you know, there's a turnover comes down to a field goal. Every game has the same vibe right now. Very, very bizarre. Lamar is started off really hot. I would say he's uh, hit the skids a little bit. You know, I'm not saying he's losing money. I've heard some people like, Oh, Lamar's losing. No, that's not really the way it works. I mean, Dak Prescott got his ankle shattered and still got $160 million. But I wouldn't say he's making money. You know, he'll just make his normal inflation, you know, whatever he turned down, he'll probably just get an extra $5 million. Again, he's got to eventually sign the contract. But um, yeah, we're, we're times uh, around the league. Okay, let's get into a little Middlecoff mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs and get those questions answered here on the Shizzo. Hey, man, I saw, I was at the Denver game yesterday. Seems like the offensive play calling is horrid. Multiple go routes on fourth down and reasonable yardages instead of trying to get a simple first down. What do you think about the Broncos firing Hackett after the season and going all in to get Sean Payton? Proven offensive coach, I have trouble thinking Russ and the offense are beyond repair. Yeah, I would say Nate Hackett is done at the end of the year. I think the only question is, does the GM survive too? Because if you and I own the team, it's almost like I I would want a GM as much as a coach because you spend so much time with a general manager. He's the guy talking finances, talking your roster. I mean, the coach is talking scheme. Let's face it, like you have no clue what they're talking about. But I can figure out like, oh, we love this guard. Oh, we love this corner. Oh, we love this assistant coach. You know, GMs speak more owner language than the head coach. So the head coach is a dead man walking. To me, the question is, does the GM survive? And I don't know. I I, I really don't. 
<laughs> I, I would say they're both in trouble. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of BF Goodrich tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their BF Goodrich test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Okay, let's get to the mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. Get your question answered here on the show. Hey, John, huge Bears fan here. Is the NFC North the new NFC East? And can the Bears win the division and backdoor their way into the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, I, I have a hard time thinking that like Minnesota is just dramatically better just because their offense is just so much more cohesive. <laughs> you know, I, I have a hard time seeing you guys get above 500. And Minnesota's already 5 and 1. So, you know, they're getting to 9 minimum. And even Green Bay, I think, ends up getting to 9. So, and, and I mean, you guys never beat the Packers. But I, I, I do think you, you know, seven wins would be a pretty big, solid head, you know, heading in the right direction season, I, I think. And you just want Justin Fields to keep making strides. That, that's all I'd want if I was a Bears fan, to just have Justin Fields keep getting better and better. Because like I said, he's playing with Dante Pettis and Nikhil Harry. What if he's playing... Go get him, Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey. And Greg Olson. Greg Olson played for the Bears? Yeah. Yeah. Carolina, Bears? Yeah, Bears in Carolina. Jimmy G for Mac Jones. I know it's silly, but kind of makes sense if you don't have sense, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that ship sailed. Mailbag. You'll probably discuss the Matt Ryan situation on the pod this week, but want to ask you as it pertains to Carson Wentz. I refuse to believe your take that he's not a starter in the league. The guy is a fluid quarterback, and when given confidence, he can absolutely rip it. We've seen it a couple of times already in Washington. I don't understand why guys like Stafford, Big Ben, even Andrew Luck, for that matter, got passes on turning the ball over, but Wentz gets destroyed over his entire career. Because I think when you watch those guys in the pocket at Wentz's age, I mean, they look a lot different than Carson Wentz. I I was an enormous Carson Wentz fan. When you watch Carson Wentz and you take out that first game of the season, like, yeah, he could rip it. So can Bailey Zappi. Like, a lot of quarterbacks. Trey Lance. I mean, a lot of quarterbacks can just rip it. But it just, Carson Wentz is not a very good player right now. I think most Commander fans have to say, like, I'd, I'd rather have Heineke. Wentz gets ran out of Philly after a 17 run and pretty remarkable playoff run in 19 with a depleted Eagles roster. Mind you, how he drafted Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson during the Wentz tenure. Then he gets scapegoated in Indy and abandoned by his good friend Frank, and two weeks in, Ron Rivera is shitting on him. So what's the deal? With your connections in the league, what about Wentz causes such a problem wherever he goes? I've never heard he's a bad guy. One thing that I've heard is that he struggles to ingratiate himself like with his teammates. You know, in I, I don't know how else to say it. Like, I, I don't think he's beloved in the locker room. Now, I don't think he's hated either. I don't, I don't think he's like some outcast. I just think a lot of a lot of quarterbacks just kind of fit in. You know, you bring up Stafford, just kind of fits in. People like him. People love Philip Rivers. 
you know, people love like Dak Prescott, Mahomes and Josh Allen and Lamar. Like those guys are heroes in their locker room. Not, it's not even just like because they're good players. It's because the dude just like them. They just like them. They just kind of get it. Jalen Hurts. I, I I don't really I don't really know how much else to say. I mean, that's all I know. I, I don't know. I know nothing about what happened in Washington. But I would say that something's off with Carson Wentz. You know, you can't. It's one thing if the Eagles just cut ties. You know, and they moved on. But back to back teams did. Now you can say Ursay was just pissed off because they missed the playoffs and Carson wouldn't get the jab. I, I don't know. I mean, I two teams kicked him to the curb. And then his third team was shitting on him, like you said, and had to apologize. You and Coward need to start admitting how out to lunch you've been on Daniel Jones. Is this Daniel Jones's cousin? Lead photographer? This guy's got 15K followers. This guy's got some sweet pics of skiing. Damn, this guy's like a helicopter skier. Jesus. This guy's doing some gnarly... This guy's shredding some powder. This guy's shredding some gnar. Um... I, you know, he's been much better than I thought he would play. I will be the first to admit that. But when you watch him, let, let's not act like you're watching, uh, you know, Eli Manning meets Peyton Manning meets, you know, Steve Young here. I mean, he's just not turning the ball over. He's playing very under control. And if I'm going to give Justin Fields somewhat of a pass, like look at the wide receivers he's playing with. Now, he does have Saquon Barkley, who is kicking ass and taking names. But Daniel Jones who one of my good friends in the league once told me when I shit on, uh, who was your GM? Gettleman. When Gettleman took him at six overall. I mean, everyone did. I was like, this is insane. My buddy that does the SEC was like, uh, I kind of like Daniel Jones. He's like, I, he viewed Daniel Jones like a fringe top 20 player. And the, the scouting community always says, well, if you think the guys are starting quarterback, what's the difference to take him at six and 17? And my always... Thing is, like, the value. I mean, was anyone else going to take him? It was like, well, the the football team might take him. Even though, you know, um, God, my head is not working tonight. Dwayne, uh, RIP, that the Daniel Snyder was going to take him. And, yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think Daniel Jones is could potentially have, like, a poor man's, because I don't think he's ever going to be, he's not as good of a prospect as Alex was. Uh, could be like that version. And Alex is really accurate. Daniel Jones probably got a little bit better arm. Uh, good athletes. So, yeah. I mean, I I, I give a lot of credit to uh, your bald coach. Kicking ass. Love the pod. Keep up the great work. Some You know, sometimes your brain just doesn't work. I, I feel like today, for whatever reason, it's not like I, I didn't even drink the last couple nights. I mean, I just... I worked out. I should be fresh, had a bunch of coffee. It's just, it hasn't been firing on all pistons, you know? If my brain was a football team, it wouldn't have mattered who we played today. We, we would have lost, you know? It, I would have looked like the Patriots if my brain was a football team. We just would have lost 33 to 14 because it's just not working. It's, it's just, come on, it's got to be better. Sometimes you just have off days, you know? It seems like there has been an excuse for every loss so far this season. In Chicago, it was the monsoon. Okay, wait. My love the pod. Keep the great work. Would love to get your thoughts on the latest Niners loss. Okay. Seems like there's been an excuse for every Niners game. Chicago monsoon. Denver was Jimmy knocking out the rust. Atlanta was the injuries. This loss to the Chiefs, however, seems like they are all out of excuses. One thing Coward consistently calls out is that the sign of a bad coach is someone who cannot get their side of the ball right. With the ups and downs on offense this season, do you think the argument could start being made for Shanahan? Do you think he will be on the hot seat? If the Niners spiral from there, lots of season left, but the chinks in the armor only seem to get bigger. Well, I have no problem shitting on Kyle's game plan and his just overall play calling in Atlanta. That was an embarrassment. Same thing with Chicago. Uh, 10 points and Atlanta, 14 points. That That is unacceptable against mediocre teams. You know, they Jimmy threw a pick on in the end zone like, at minimum, they should have scored a field goal. So they would have been in the high 20s against the Chiefs. They lost that game because of their defense. And their defense, who's one of the best teams in the league, refused to change. Like, Andy Reid is going to take advantage of your defensive ends, specifically Nick Bosa, when he is just going to shoot up the field like a rocket. Now, Nick Bosa is one of the best players in the league. 
But the Niners scheme, just get upfield, go get the quarterback, which works against the majority of teams. But when you're playing one of the best offensive play callers ever and one of the best quarterbacks ever, you might want to just like, hey, they're clearly taking advantage of our over-aggressiveness. How about we throw a curveball at halftime? Hey, Nick, pretend you're going to shoot straight up like we always do. Take one step and then stop. And then, hell, maybe when they throw a screen, you'll pick it off. Or maybe when they run an end around, you'll deplete the guy. I, I, I despise... Listen, I'm a big believer in whatever you do to have like a, a general philosophical belief. Like this is what I stand for. I'm talking professionally, not morally, but like professionally, right? Like if a coach, we believe in running the ball and playing defense, or we believe in the spread offense. You know, if, if you're a sales guy, you have some certain thing you do to close, right? I, I would say for me in this podcast, like I'm a big believer in authenticity. I'm a pretty fucking open book. You know, I tell you a lot about my life. I, I try, I just give you my opinions. I'm not faking anything. I, I would rather go do something else. I'll go work in real estate before I pretend takes for quote unquote ratings or I don't even I don't even know what that means in the podcast world. But that, that ain't happening here. So I, I do believe that you gotta stand for something. So the Niners defense stands for something, but you do have to adapt. And I hate in football specifically, when people go, well, this is what we do. Well, okay, I have no problem doing what you do. But if at halftime, it ain't working, and luckily the Niners were only down one point, shouldn't you guys be like, let's do something different? And maybe, I don't know, we'll win the fucking game? That's what I didn't get. Now listen, the Chiefs are better than the Niners. They have Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, right? Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are better than Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo. But in terms of the team and the players, like... The Niners could have competed much, much closer in the second half if they just made some adjustments, and they refused. Now, their DBs did not play very well, but their defensive line didn't change at all. Andy Reid was just kind of toying with them. He he was the equivalent as a coach. If you watch tennis, you know like when a Federer or Nadal or a Djokovic is just in the zone. It's like, is this guy even sweating? And just rallies and volleys and backhands, and the other guys just going side to side. It used to happen a lot with Federer and Djokovic. Nadal was a little different, a little more powerful. But like Federer and Djokovic, when they just lock in, and their opponents like barely hitting the ball, going back and forth on the other side, and the, and especially Federer, never looked like he sweat. Djokovic too. And there's... That's what Andy was as a play caller. It's like, I'm going to go left. I'm going to go right. Left, left. Right, right. Screen. Pitch. Pitch. Screen. Quick out, screen, you know, quick post. I mean, it, it, was, it was a joke. It was not on Andy's part. I mean, it was just, it was a clinic. But I, he had to be thinking like, are these guys ever going to change what they're doing? Or are they really just going to be cool with doing this? Football sometimes is not as complicated as we make it, you know? I mean, Andy Reid's one of the great screen callers in the history of the sport. And the Niners like pretended that, he wasn't going to run screens. I, I didn't quite get it. Like I told one of my buddies with the Chiefs, Niners need that win more than you guys. You guys are going to cruise to the AFC West. They got lucky. Like the football gods took care of Coach Reed. They gave him Patrick Mahomes. And I'm saying, obviously, they isolated. They wanted him. But I'm just saying, that matchup. And think about the division. He gets the Raiders. I mean, we were tend to be bad. Uh, I know they got a big win off the Texans, but I mean that's a team that's going to have to battle their ass off to get eight or nine wins. You get the Chargers, one of the great underachieving franchises of all time, and then you get this debacle that is the Denver Broncos. <laughs> I mean, Nate Hackett and Russell Wilson. I mean, the Chiefs, Chiefs are going... It was like, you know, it's going to be hard for them to win the AFC West. They're going to win the AFC West by like four games. They might be resting people by, you know, I guess... Depends what happens with Buffalo. If there's a chance they can catch him, but actually they'd have to win by a game because Buffalo has the tiebreaker. The Chiefs are going to cruise the second seed. Cruise to the second. I mean, they are going to cruise the division. I mean, you could give them. I mean, they're a win or two away. Just give them the hats and t-shirts. Like, what the hell are we waiting on? Um, but yeah, I hear you. Adios. <laughs>
the volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.